welcome to this bonus episode of the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this bonus episode, I'm joined by pharmacist and medical communications manager at L'Oreal Australia, Rachel McAdam. Rachel's role sees her provide L'Oreal brands with insight into consumer health needs from a pharmacy perspective. So I thought she would be the perfect person to answer the questions you submitted on the skincare and ingredient trends you're seeing more of. I am so often asked really specific questions about the skin and in this case about ingredients and industry trends. But given that I am an educated consumer and not an expert, I insist on taking those questions to those who can correctly and ethically answer them for you. In the name of transparency, this episode is sponsored by CeraVe. However, as per all of my expert interviews, the goal is not to sell you something specific. For this reason, you will hear Rachel recommend ingredients rather than brands and offer more general advice, giving you the tools you need to make your own educated purchasing decisions. On a personal note, given that the range has been developed with dermatologists, I do use CeraVe myself and have been using the brand since its launch into Australia some two plus years ago. I know that consistency is key when it comes to my skin and finding a brand and products that I trust as much as I trust CeraVe has been quite literally transformative for my skin. In this episode, Rachel answers your questions on skincare trends from which products are actually necessary in a healthy skincare routine and what percentages of trending active ingredients are actually going to make a difference to the skin through to the rise of trends like singular ingredient serums and skinimalism and whether or not those trends are worth engaging with. So when I put the call out to our audience for questions on skin trends, they there was a lot of overlap, which I think is great. That is the nature of trends. The topic that popped up the most was overwhelmingly exfoliation, specifically the fact that a lot of people and a lot of brands appear to be moving away from deeming it this essential step that mm. I think it once was marketed as. One listener has asked, we used to be told to exfoliate every couple of days, but it seems as though things have changed. Is this much exfoliation necessary? It's a really interesting question and really it's down to achieving a balance. Exfoliation is not a bad thing and it has its place, but we need to ensure we're helping the skin do what it naturally does. So I agree that every day exfoliation is mainly unnecessary mm-hmm unless you already have a condition that requires it. So what exfoliating occasionally will do is slough off that very top layer that was going to come off anyway. It's usually a bad quality um, sort of dead layer. Mm. We do do need that layer that's called the stratum corneum that has got those um, inactive skin cells, but often there's another unwanted bit that needs to move on. And that's what exfoliation can do. So doing that once a week or once every two weeks still has its place. Okay, that's a good little rule of thumb then because I feel like there was once a time when we were being told, okay, you're going to do your micellar, you're going to cleanse, you're going to exfoliate, then you're going to tone. 
It's all a bit much. Yes. <laughs> this brings me to another really great question from one of our listeners. They've asked, is the rise of the skin barrier the death of exfoliation? Wow, what a what an amazing title. Yeah. Really. It, they can coexist. So the skin barrier is made up of that keratinized, compacted, let's say dead skin cells. Mm-hmm. But it's about the quality of this rather than the quantity. So you can still achieve a very healthy, good quality skin barrier and exfoliate to remove the unwanted very top layer. And what that does is ensures that the skin can still radiate um, light and you know hence glow because it's holding water and water does allow luminosity whereas if there's a lot of unwanted skin cells they can trap that light so there is a place for both a healthy skin barrier and exfoliation so from a brand perspective what are you seeing more of in this space i'm guessing that there is more of a focus on how cleansers are formulated rather than things like a physical scrub Absolutely. I think now we're starting to realise it's about respectful and clever cleansing, Mm. right? So once upon a time we were going hard, we were scrubbing, we were removing. But now we know that formulating a cleanser that can pick up all the impurities, including makeup, whilst respecting the skin is actually the way to go. So we're seeing cleansers that are emerging that are really well pH balanced, that Mm -hmm. can buffer changes in pH. The skin loves to be... a stable pH of around 5.5. It operates best in this way and doesn't you know, get irritated as easily. And also we're seeing cleansers that can remove different types of impurities, whether they're oil-soluble, water-soluble, makeup, hopefully in one go without having to put so many you know, different formulations on the skin. Another great segue because a listener has written mm-hmm. in just saying, she hasn't asked a question, she's just said oil cleansers and double cleansing. So what role do oil cleansers play in our skincare and is double cleansing a must? Oh, such a good question. And there is, again, a place for all of this. But let's just say the in an ideal world, um, if we can cleanse in one go, mm-hmm. really respectfully, that's, that's great. And what oil cleansers do is they're very good at picking up oil-soluble impurities. Things like some makeups are quite oil-soluble, so they get taken away Mm -hmm. and swiped away with oil. Sometimes our own sebum and our own oil is also swiped away Mm -hmm. with oil. But what oil cleansers will also do is leave a layer of oil on the skin. Now, that might not be great for everyone. That could be um, also contributing to a build-up and blocking of the pores over time, depending on the oil. And so the double cleansing question is if we can capture everything in one cleanser, that's minimalist. That's actually being quite minimalist in our skincare and not putting different formulations and hence chemicals. We know, we know our bodies are made up of chemicals, but there's foreign chemicals that come into contact um, with our skin and they can sometimes irritate. So, yes, I hope that answers the question. It does. It does. I like that note about keeping things minimalist mm. because... That's, I mean, that idea has completely transformed my approach to skin. Let's talk about the skin barrier because that really is what it all comes back to. A listener writes in saying, I keep hearing about the skin barrier, but what actually is it? And is this just more marketing jargon? That's a very good question. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, I'm all about that as well. Let's be honest. So think of the skin barrier as your canvas 
for everything else, whether it's your makeup, whether it's your anti-aging skincare. And the skin barrier is the skin's ability to keep the unwanted things out, like the irritants that we come across. And we always come across irritants without realizing. Even sometimes the things that our own skin excretes are irritants and also keeps moisture in. Now, if it does a good job of this, the skin is very juicy and plump because that epidermis, the very top layer, is holding a lot of moisture and water and it's reflecting light mm-hmm. and also it's not allowing irritants, which are the things that lead to redness and you know flakiness and irritation. So that's our canvas of, of really healthy skin. Mm-hmm. That's the skin barrier. It's a good way to think of it. Another listener has asked, I'm seeing everyone from acne sufferers to people with eczema talking about the skin barrier, but these skin types seem as though they're on opposite ends of the scale. What does the skin barrier have to do with oily skins and what does it have to do with dry skins? I think they've asked all these questions because I keep saying skin barrier this, skin barrier that without going into detail. No, these are great questions. It means they're really thinking quite deeply Mm. and wanting answers that actually make a lot of sense to ask. And the, the answer to this question is that skin barrier and oiliness can coexist, but they're actually a little bit different. So skin barrier is more about that cement that holds those Mm. skin cells together on the very top layer called the stratum corneum. And oiliness is more related to the sebum that's excreted by our oil glands. And each of those has a very important role to play. Things go awry when there's too much oil secreted and it's getting, um, it's blocking up the pores and that's when acne and breakouts can occur. Whereas the skin barrier is more around not the oil secretion, but the lipids that hold the skin cells together, the cement. So if you have oily skin, the trick is to still always look after your skin barrier without a formula that's too oily. Mm-hmm. And we do this through smart ingredients such as ceramides, such as very smart lipids, because they are about the skin barrier. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) And I think as well, I mean, this isn't a question. This is just from my experience Mm. previously. And I've definitely said this on the podcast before. I would get a pimple or a breakout and my first instinct would be to just dry it out. Let's dry it out. And then it would flake and then something else would flare up. And now I'm like, no, just pair it back, Gem. Pair it back. It's so normal, Gemma. What you're doing is everyone's response. Mm. They think, okay, dry it out. Whereas now you're sort of challenging that thought Mm -hmm. to go, no, let's hydrate smartly with the Mm. right type of formula, probably more watery than oily, and look after the skin barrier. And another little note is skin barrier a healthy skin barrier can also reduce things that are inflammatory in nature Mm. so breakouts can actually function a lot better and have better outcomes if you have a healthy skin barrier Mm -hmm. so remember that acne sufferers not a spot in sight at the moment (laughs) so something's working i managed to bring up uv exposure in literally every single interview so while we're on the skin barrier what can you tell me about the importance of supporting that skin barrier now that we are coming into the summer absolutely we know that uv exposure can contribute to skin cancer Mm -hmm. we know it can contribute to aging but what we're starting to learn more about is that uv exposure can also disturb the skin barrier it's mm-hmm. very interesting how damaging UV can be, and it does this in changing the quality of that skin barrier, not necessarily changing ceramide levels or anything like that, but it changes the way the skin turns over mm-hmm. and doesn't really mature that well. So if you're exposed to the sun, you may have even noticed a few days later 
few days later, because this takes time, mm -hmm. your skin is a little bit dull, might be a little bit more sensitive and more likely to be irritated. It doesn't hold water that well because your skin barrier has been disturbed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good note about it being a few days later because yeah. I know people that will be out in the sun and then that evening they'll yeah. say, oh, I think I'm all good. That's inflammation happening. Yeah. The skin is really juicy because there's a lot of water going to the surface, mm -hmm. which is an inflammatory response. And yes, it looks great for a time, but it's actually a bit... Um, it's counterintuitive, yeah. isn't it? It's actually damaged. So all of this in mind, what skincare ingredients do you think we're going to be seeing more of? Okay, so we're seeing, in terms of just trending ingredients, we're seeing a lot of microbiome type mm. ingredients, so things like probiotics, prebiotics, that's mm -hmm. rising. Definitely ceramides, okay? Yes. So they're, they're well-researched, they're very smart because you don't need a lot of them and they don't make the skin oily. And maybe even things like proteins, so peptides and amino mm -hmm. acids. They're probably the the big ones that come up let's hone in on ceramides because mm. they popped up quite a bit yes. in these questions what actually are ceramides and what can they do for the skin so ceramides already exist in our skin they're mm -hmm. naturally occurring and they're a type of lipid lipids are fats essentially they're very um specific they're called sphingolipids for those that are mm. you know chemistry savvy and what these do and what we know about them is that they make up around half of the cement that keeps our skin cells locked together on that very top layer so we're talking our skin barrier which is the stratum corneum um now when things go wrong it's often linked to a ceramide deficiency so we know ah. conditions such as acne rosacea eczema they seem to have a link to something a bit off balance whether it's a ratio or a certain ceramides that's deficient you mentioned peptides as well mm. they popped up a lot oh. too unsurprisingly we could do a full hour on peptides because there's Absolutely. so much to them but very top level what are peptides and why are they having such a moment peptides are the building blocks of protein. So actually, uh -huh. let's start with amino acids. Amino sure. acids are the building blocks of peptides, and then peptides are the building blocks of proteins. Proteins mm -hmm. are very large molecules. They make up structure of our bodies. Mm -hmm. So if you put a protein on your skin, it's not going to absorb. It's going to sit there. Now, if you put a peptide on the skin, it's more likely to have a role. It can integrate a little bit more. And then if you put an amino acid on the skin, again, that's much smaller. So peptides have been shown in research because things are still being researched and we're still establishing exactly what they do, but they have been shown to play a role in potentially signaling on the skin, sometimes carrying things as well. They can be carrier peptides and also in just enzym enzymatic processes. Mm -hmm. Another ingredient that was asked a lot about, niacinamide. Yes. Niacinamide has, of course, existed in skincare for a very long time, but we are definitely seeing more brands kind of push it in their marketing and yes. it's on the front of the label now. So what is niacinamide? What can it do for the skin? And why are we hearing so much more about it at the moment? Oh, I could do a lecture on niacinamide <laughs> as well, peptides, niacinamide. It, look, niacinamide is, is a credible ingredient, so mm. they're right to, to call it out, but we need to also make sure it's in the right concentration. So what it is is a vitamin. It's vitamin B3. The reason why it's so effective in the skin is because it's also one of the very first elements of a natural function, biological function of the skin that produces energy and many things. So it's a building block. It's a tool that the skin already uses. Now, when we apply it to the skin, it's been shown, so this is in published research, to help with hydration levels. It can actually help the skin build its own ceramide, so it can mm. boost the skin barrier and hydrate oh in that way. It's been shown to reduce pigmentation, but you need a little bit higher concentrations for that in quite a few studies. And it's been shown to help with excess oil, 
and it's been shown to help with irritation. It's an all-rounder. So it is a massive all-rounder, probably mm. one of the most basic um, go-tos in skincare, I would say. But I think we've got to be careful and look for it sort of towards the top of the ingredients list, so 2% or more. If yeah. it's right down the bottom, it's probably not going to be in a high enough concentration. That's a really good pointer as well, looking at your ingredients yeah. list. It's the same as, you know, food in the Absolutely. supermarket. Follows the same <laughs> rule of thumb. A listener has written in asking, niacinamide, why do some brands and products sting with makeup while others with a similar active niacinamide percentage in them are fine? Your listeners are so savvy. They're switched they on. Really they are. are the best. So I think it's probably not the niacinamide that's stinging. I think yep. it could be another ingredient in that skincare. So I would start a diary and just see if there's a commonality. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm saying this is because niacinamide is a neutral molecule. It's not acidic or basic. Like acids can sting, but niacinamide is quite neutral. And also it's very well tolerated. It's already in our skin. So if they're the same concentration and one formula is stinging and the other isn't, look for other things. Could be alcohols in that formula or other irritants potentially. Mm -hmm. Mm. Another ingredient that popped up a bit, squalene, squalene, however we're going to pronounce it. This particular listener asked... I keep seeing squalene, 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 different spellings, different pronunciations. Are they all the same thing and what can it do for the skin? Okay, so they're actually two different things, but they're so related. So squalene already exists in our skin. Mm -hmm. It's actually what makes up or makes up part of sebum. So that's our natural oil. That's squalene. Squalene, however, if you leave it out, it's quite unstable. Mm-hmm. It can degrade. And you know how oils can go rancid? Yes. Some oils can go rancid quickly and some take a while. So what we found is squalene, which is just a slightly different chemical structure yeah. of squalene, just a slight change, is a lot more stable in air, so mm-hmm. in a formula. So if you put that in a skincare formula, you can still allow the squalene to then be produced because once it hits the skin, squalene hits the skin, yeah. it can be converted to squalene. And you get your squalene that way. So it's about stabilising squalene. Mm -hmm. That wasn't too confusing. No, no, that's really helped. I can see why people are confused, myself included. I love this next question. Another listener has asked about the boom in one ingredient Mm. products, say a specific hyaluronic acid serum. Yes. She has asked why we are seeing more of this and if we're better off just using products that combine multiple actives and in turn multiple benefits. So there's no wrong or right with this question. Mm -hmm. I feel that if you can achieve a cocktail of, you know, important and clever ingredients that work well together, that's probably the best way to go because that way you're not putting too many formulations and too many inactive ingredients on the skin. But if you just have one priority, then yes, you can use a one-ingredient formula. But I would always look at finding one formula with the key ingredients that work well together, and mm. I can give you some examples in a min, in, in a sec, and also are quite stable together. And again, that whole formula is pH balanced. So for example, hyaluronic acid can work quite well with almost every other ingredient. Mm-hmm. It can work really well with panthenol or glycerin because yes. they both will hold water and they supercharge the amount of hydration in the skin. It can even work well with vitamin C and retinol because again, it's neutral. It, it won't really disturb the function, but it can also compensate for some of the irritation we might see with those active ingredients such as retinol mm-hmm. and maybe some of the acids. So... If they're smartly put together, yes, I think it's best to have the cocktail of a 
active ingredients. And it just takes less time. Exactly. <laughs> less steps. Minimalism. Mm. Yes. Moving on from ingredients to products, I received a lot of questions about masks. I've had one listener, actually, I've had a few listeners ask, do sheet masks actually do anything? Yeah. <laughs> it's a loaded question. <laughs> Love it. They do because they are your infusion mm-hmm. of an active or a moisturising ingredient. We see a lot of things like glycerin, hyaluronic acid in the sheet masks. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is popping them on the skin, but you're also occluding them. Occluding means to cover. Yeah. Whenever we occlude something on the skin, it does increase that infusion and that absorption. So think of it like Barocca for your skin, just yes. for a moment. Yeah. But once it's off, yes, the skin will probably go back, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's going to have a nice infusion of that active ingredient Mm -hmm. the one rule with sheet masks we actually covered last month when we did one on wedding skin prep the only rule is don't use a sheet mask that you've never used before the morning (laughs) of the wedding any other time have a play absolutely (laughs) another listener has asked about masks that are in jars as opposed to sheet masks she's asked if multi-masking is just a trend or is it actually beneficial Multi-masking. So the sheet mask is usually, you know, an infusion, that mm-hmm. Barocca, and it's occluded, occluded, so it's covered, which yeah. does boost the impact. A mask in a jar is not occluded. So you pop it on and often you'll find this type of formula is not watery. So it won't just yeah. evaporate. It's going to be probably a little bit more clay-like or oily potentially and it's got more lipidic ingredients. So they have their place as well. Mm-hmm. So the jar is maybe... You know, it's multi-use, so that's good to have and it's going to be that mask that you might do on the weekends Mm -hmm. or whenever you feel like your skin just needs that boost of infusion, then the sheet mask perhaps is a bit more luxurious potentially and, you know, you've got a bit more time, you've got that on and you want even more of an occlusion on your skin, so wrapping it. Mm -hmm. Let's finish on this idea of skinimalism because we have come back to it a couple of times this is another trend that popped up a lot when I asked listeners to submit questions firstly I know we've touched on it but let's hone in on it what is skinimalism I love this word and we all know that when you have an irritation Mm -hmm. okay when you have sensitivity of your skin and you go to a dermatologist they will very likely tell you to stop everything yeah. Okay. They'll tell you to stop everything and reintroduce things one by one to determine what's caused that irritation. So skin minimalism <laughs> is really a way to ensure we are minimalizing the amount of potential irritants that we're putting on our skin and only using the necessary and the ones that are quite established. And if you were to choose your most basic skincare steps it would be cleansing respectfully and moisturizing respectfully that's kind of your most basic that everyone probably should be doing right basic basic two steps and then you introduce just the necessary actives for your age group or for your skin type rather than going yes let's do everything let's put everything on and in a way that's saving your skin from irritation from sensitivity and irritation comes with redness and it it can then ruin the whole cosmetic um, goal that we're trying Mm. to achieve 
Another listener has asked, I feel like only a couple of years ago we were being pushed to use 12 plus products. That is accurate. (laughs) Um, And now we're being told to strip it back. Why? Now you've just touched on that. I guess it all comes down to irritation. Irritation and also just unnecessary. A lot of ingredients are unnecessary. And remember, a formula will have maybe one or two actives, Mm -hmm. if that. And the rest of it is made up of things that make the formula feel nice, sometimes yeah. fragrances, sometimes preservatives. It's all these things that are a little bit unnecessary and unwanted. So mm. if we can not do 12, just do the cleansing, the moisturising, and then introduce your most important active ingredients. I, I think as well consumers are just asking more questions. They're savvy now. Yes. So if we're saying you have to use 12 products, they're going to say, well, why? What are these actually doing? Absolutely. They're smart. Now, again, this is one that we've touched on, but I do think it's a really nice question to wrap up on. A listener asks, what products do you think are actually necessary Mm -hmm. in a healthy skincare routine? Okay. So if you don't have any skin conditions and you've got otherwise healthy skin, cleansing and moisturizing, as we mentioned, just in a very respectful way that suits your skin type. Now, I can tell you the ingredients that have been well-researched and established, and they're things like niacinamide, yeah. but look at percentages 2%, maybe to 8 or 10%. Eight. Yeah. Retinol or retinoids, we know they've been yes. researched well enough and they do work. And again, look for percentages from probably 0.1 onwards. It's a very potent molecule and it can um, actually have great anti-aging benefits, but it can also irritate in some people. Vitamin C is another well-established ingredient, and this is an antioxidant. It can help the skin also with some of its um, anti-aging needs as well. And ceramides are also part of that moisturizing. So they sort of come back to the canvas. So if you can find those in a moisturizer, that is the ideal type of moisturizer because it's supporting the skin barrier function. And probably hyaluronic acid. I could go on, actually. Hyaluronic acid is, is probably up there too. That was trained pharmacist and medical communications manager at L'Oreal Australia, Rachel McAdam. You can discover more about CeraVe's dermatologist-developed skincare at ceraV.com.au or on Instagram at CeraVe underscore AU. And if you're at Chemist Warehouse, look out for the latest addition to CeraVe's cleansing range, the hydrating foaming oil cleanser, which may well have overtaken the original hydrating cleanser as my favourite from the range. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me. Oh,